So now we are coming to the next panel, the fundamentals and components of responsible AI. This is the topic of our next discussion, chaired by Jacques Ludic, our Swiss cognitive ambassador for the African continent and beyond. Jacques, you are a smart technology entrepreneur, AI expert, founder of multiple AI companies, author, AI ecosystem builder, and award-winning AI leader with 25 <coughs> years experience, actually over 25 years experience in AI, machine learning, and data science and its application. You are currently founder and CEO of Cortex Group and Cortex Logistic as AI engine for business focused on providing scalable, ultra-personalized AI-enabled wellness solutions. And you're the founder and president of the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa, focused on transforming Africa through AI. Your latest book is titled Democratizing AI to Benefit Everyone, what is exactly our topic. Okay, good. This is another. Basic infrastructure problem. You guys, do you remember what batteries are? Hey, also they can run out of energy. So, <laughs> thanks for remaining with us. Um, yeah, actually I was trying <laughs> to um, welcome Ashley. As a recognized leader in the social tech community, you have developed workable governments for data, AI, and open source tools. You work and ability to bring experts together to solve important challenges has led to meaningful change in government and helps to inform policy makers, industries, and academic research. With you on the panel, we have Tom. Tom, you studied literature and philosophy with focus on culture, anthropology, and has a deep knowledge of new technologies such as AI. After 20 years in tech companies, Thomas, you recognize human behaviors weight more than ever in history. Why? Because of the rise of AI, because of the need to understand our own biases as humans, and because of the need to act responsible towards life itself. Being with one of the world's leading provider of AI technology, you get to know dozens of use cases and like to share your knowledge at various occasions, such as Swiss Cognitive and also American Chamber of Commerce. You're also a well-known guest at AI Podcast, so reach out to him if you need someone for your podcast. With you on stage, we do have my friend Francisca Clebon. You are a leading scholar of the social and political implication of distributed ledger technologies and artificial intelligence. Your hands-on digital executive, game changer, and digital strategies having led digital programs across almost all sectors worldwide. With deep interdisciplinary knowledge and with changing roles between strategy and executions, your passions lies in building ethical and sustainable solutions from social recognition and rewards to collective knowledge implication of AI. In your private life, you are a grafter building lamps of wood and stones. And I tell you, I'm still waiting for my lamp. <laughs> then we do have Danilo. 
Danilo is an awarded-winning thought leader, coach, author, and keynote speaker in the topic of automation, AI, RPA, machine learning, digital transformation, and innovation. Danilo, you have been featured in the Times newspaper, Bloomberg, InfoMoney, AR Journal, AI Magazine, Business Chief Technology Magazine, Computer Weekly, and other leading publications. So, Tom, Alan, with the AI Journal, I think you guys need to have a discussion together. Saying that, I would like to hand over to Chuck. Thank you. Thanks, Delith. Delith, can you hear me? Delith, can yes, you hear me? I can. Okay, fantastic. Thanks very much for that uh, introduction. Um, we've got an illustrious panel here, as, as you can see from that wonderful descriptions and bios that uh, Dalif has provided. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. Um, I, I do believe that responsible AI is an imperative. It's crucially important. Um, and it's been a wonderful conference so far. So let's dig into it. Before I um, get into the specific themes that we're gonna discuss as a panel, I just want to also mention uh, my, my massive transformative purpose is around how to shape a better future in the smart technology era and how, how can we let people and society thrive. And responsible AI, trustworthy AI is absolutely critical to, to, to actually achieve that. And, and that's why I also reference this. I've got a chapter dedicated to this in my book as well, Democratizing AI to Benefit Everyone. Um, what, what I really like about the panelists here, we're going to get a very interesting perspective because it's it's the European Commission. We're going to get the, the governance aspects. Um, we're very fortunate to have that perspective, but we're also going to have practical. Um, we're going to talk about some um, some specific examples. We can talk about AI vendors and, and specific use cases. So looking forward to Francisca and Thomas digging into that uh, as well. And then Ashley also representing, talking about responsible AI, part of, part of the, well, responsible AI Institute, um, looking forward to her initiatives. So very quickly, um, in terms of the, the, the we, we've talked about, I think during the, the day, um, there's been discussions around what is the framework for trustworthy AI, and, and we know that the European Union uh, was kind of leading in that regard with, with the framework around that. And they define also, obviously, ethical AI, lawful AI, and robust AI as a subset of that. So my, my first question is really going to be around, um, it's, it's going to be to Danilo, and we're going to open it up. So we're going to just talk about the principles, and also um, then we're going to talk about the risks, the risk aspect of that. I know that is getting quite a bit of attention. Um, so Danilo, so how do you think about responsible AI or ethical AI? What, what is the difference in your mind? I think, um, you know, ethical AI is one of those difficult topics where, you know, what ethics lens are you applying? Um, if you get a hundred people in the room with different backgrounds, um, you know, they're all going to give you a different answer of what's ethical or not, which is why, you know, certain topics like euthanasia is never ending just like the topic of uh, ethical AI is also never ending. Yes. And I think we recognize that in the EU. Uh, I've had discussions like that also with different governments around the world. And again, you know, depending which government you talk to, it's a totally different approach. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into this later with how the, 
the Chinese government look at AI and how uh, the American government look at AI in Europe as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, responsible AI is something a little bit easier to agree on. Um, it's something that one day, you know, I do, I am hopeful that there will be a universal framework, uh, which is agreed. Of course, it can be regional at first, but using it responsibly is, yes, there is morals and there is questions of um, doing thing, doing right and wrong, black and white. And there's going to be always areas, uh, gray areas there. Um, but responsible AI, I think, is a lot easier to agree on than ethical AI. Um, there's also the the other aspect of you know for commercial gain versus doing things right for your population, etc. You know, sometimes for you to go a little bit faster, you have to, and you're doing something completely you know new and revolutionary. There are certain rules that you might need to break in order to get there faster. So it's always a balancing act as well between do I make some people uncomfortable but get there faster or do we make sure that we absolutely get everybody on board on the same page in terms of you know is it ethical and um, you know is it responsible before we make every move and do that to the detriment of you know uh, technological advancement. So every region you go to, every government you go to have a have a different answer, sometimes a completely different answer. That's, that's been my experience so far. Yeah, I, I, maybe just quickly on that, it was quite interesting to um, you being a member of the European Union um, uh, um, as well, specifically Commission and uh, the AI Alliance. Um, if you look at the four principles, they talk about respect of human autonomy and prevention of harm and fairness and explicability. And it was quite interesting for me to look at Oxford's digital ethics lab that's got obviously aligned with that, but then they talk about bene beneficence and non-maleficence specifically on that um, side as well. So. Uh, I think that was quite interesting for me. So, Francisca, uh, just quickly fr from your, I know given your Microsoft background, and I know with Microsoft specifically, also part of the partnership on AI, um, there's also the six principles of responsible AI and so forth. What is your take also on the ethical side of things? Just commenting on what Danilo was just saying. Um, and then also, I think you want to comment on the risk um, side of things as well. Oh, you're mute. You're mute. You're, uh, you're mute. You're muted. Yeah. I'm still on. There we Thank go. You. I believe um, it's um, for us as uh, involved companies or even governments, right? It's it's very hard. We cannot be the sole entity to govern the moral principles of AI, which would be for me ethical and would like to give this also over to Thomas, who has studied philosophy. And I think this is more a philosophy question. Um, I believe that we really must find a way to govern those principles and standards among each other, as this is our responsibility. But going back to the to the principles um, or the EU regulations that have been published on, on 21st of May, uh, April, sorry, the beauty of them are that they have incorporated those uh, principles and standards of about 150 different companies worldwide brought them together and have built a risk-based approach, right? So they start with unacceptable risks. So every everything that threats safety, livelihoods of people will be banned. Um, for instance, uh, everything that manipulates human behavior or anything that goes towards social scoring by governments, which specific countries do, right? This, for instance, integrates the, the principles of accountability, which then fulfills the ethical standards and requires a proper governance framework. And you have high-risk AI solutions 
for instance, everything around employer and worker safety, critical infrastructures. So when it comes to, let's say, technology unfriendly um, environments such as construction sites, and then you have integrated the principle reliability and safety, privacy and security, and so forth. And don't want to deep to dive because it's still a draft, but I think that's very beautiful that we have built this already in, in April this year. No, that's that's fantastic. The way I'm looking at the world, if you look at all the AI use cases, I've been my whole career in AI and, and, and applications, is consumer-facing side. You can see clearly, if you look at the regulation, the, the key requirements for trustworthy AI, a bunch of them, privacy, data governance, transparency, diversity, and fairness, so many things cover the consumer side dealing with people's data. But as you say, the robustness, the technical robustness, the safety side, the industrial side of use cases, um, that is, that's absolutely crucial. And it's almost like we are on this man-machine intelligence continuum going from assisted augmented to autonomous AI, and we see more augmented and autonomous. So huge responsibility to make sure that those systems are working fine. So yeah, fantastic. Um, so Thomas, um, Francisco just mentioned that uh, some of the things that you are also involved in. So I, I would just like to, um, uh, do you see, is it a competitive advantage, ethical, responsible AI? How do you think about it? I know you've got a philosophical slant. <laughs> as well. uh, I, may, I may have to fight my philosophical background now because <laughs> it's interesting to see this through this lens and to discuss the difference between man and machine and, and find the differences. But honestly, our customers are more interested in what are they allowed to do? So the kind of the obvious regulations, what they should do is kind of the ethical implications and what the concrete project is about. So is yeah. this what they are wanting to, to implement right now? Is this possible or not? As simple as it is. And as, as clearer we find all those regulations and, and even if there are in addition to that, um, the same across huge regions, made Europe, made even the world, it might be even better for our global customers so they don't have to stick to um, national limitations and they can really roll out their projects. And um, SAS as a company, we have a lot of experience in the financial services sector and banks and insurance companies are our customers for a long time across the world. And this is a regulated environment anyway. So um, we are used to deal with limitations and there is a data mining um, regulation for a long time and we, have, we do have uh, risk regulations for, for credit scoring, whatever. So there is already uh, um, some um, basis and, and some understanding already there development based on that to, to be even more kind of uh, to, to, to implement more automated processes, which is the actual benefit of AI in the economy. Absolutely. Um, the, that brings me to Ashley as well. Um, Ashley, I would love to talk about why does AI need to be governed, but before I get to that question, you can cover that now. It's just quickly your perspective, given your experiences also, I know in Canada, um, around AI, the risk, the principles, and so forth. Do you want to quickly comment on that? So you're also on mute. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. So I think that uh, a lot of, it's great to see what's happened with the proposed uh, AI Act from the EU, and that it's really, as Francesca said, bringing together all of those, both corporate principles, but then a lot of uh, work that uh, institutes had done um, from an academic perspective, but civil society organizations have been advocating for as well and culminating into one comprehensive document. 
the I'd like to think that uh, inspiration for that risk base was based partly in uh, what we were able to implement with the directive on automated decision making systems from the government of Canada's perspective, uh, yes. really starting to think about how to actually assess uh, what types of AI systems exist and the risk that they have. I do agree with this idea of bucketing kind of the things that are the most high risk and have the most potential harm to humans or the planet. Uh, however, I think that there's, as we'll get into more detail around these principles and how we govern it, a need to really think um, in a nuanced way, what does that harm actually mean and to what extent? And so there is a need to do uh, a more rigorous assessment against what that risk base is. And so again, um, that was some of the work that we did start um, in the Government of Canada context uh, with the Augmented Impact Assessment that's part of the directive. And one of the things just in this discussion of ethics versus responsibility, we really did start to think about how uh, AI systems needed to be governed in a ethical manner. And Global Affairs Canada was like, whoa, 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 we cannot impose our morals and our values as a country, uh, as Danilo was saying earlier, uh, on others. And so the idea of responsible based in human rights and that going back to sustainable development goals uh, was really something that we integrated then into the rest of the work that we did. So I just then to transition um, from that into just broader governance, there's the role that institutions like the EU Commission's playing uh, in, in proposing this legislation. Um, but also I see there being a uh, strong need for private governance to help to augment and complement that. And the proposed AI Act does actually speak to that as well with the need for these conformity assessments. And so this idea of really um, trying to understand how to integrate standards um, that are nuanced and specific enough so that going back to some of these uh, themes that Francesca brought up of companies regulating themselves and really checking their own homework, there's more checks and balances that are put in place, um, but that really needs to come together because a, a policy of that magnitude is way too significant. You really need to break that down. And so that's where I see a complement of, of things like certification programs, uh, which is what we're uh, leading at the Responsible AI Institute. Fantastic, thanks for that. Um, Danilo, just your, what is your thoughts on uh, what role do and should governments play in regulating AI? You also mentioned East, West. We also, obviously, countries got different approaches. I'm, I'm based in Cape Town, South Africa. Africa's got their own perspectives in dealing with these kind of things as well. Um, what do you think? What, how should governments play? What, what, what's the specific role? Uh, again, you know, to answer that kind of question, you know, if I was um, if I was Asian, I would have I would give you a completely different answer. My personal thought on this is that for now, uh, while we're still feeling this out uh, and understanding it, it's okay to to have companies go in front of governments and show us what's possible. But you know, as is coined by McKinsey and PwC and many others, you know, at some point very soon, AI is going to become the single uh, most effective uh, commercial and, you know, uh, revolutionary opportunity in the world today. It already is, but it hasn't materialized yet. Um, so I think governments at the moment are doing, a lot of people blame different governments for being too slow on this. They're not doing enough. 
Uh, I can see why that is the case. They do have other things that they're doing as well, which they're very busy on. There's also a lack of education. So uh, until the government catches up, until they hire the right people to advise them properly, to, to be you know, ministers who understand this stuff very well, they should stay the way they're staying, which is gradually building up to a framework, a regulatory yeah. framework. But until they are better equipped and they have better understanding of this within the actual government themselves, they should stay as they are. In my personal opinion, let the private sector go ahead and do its thing. Uh, but hopefully, you know, the next two years maximum, you know, start coming up with a, a very, you know, well put together framework, a regulatory body around AI. And then my hope is that a couple of years from that onwards is there is a global framework that starts being put into place uh, once there's greater understanding and greater um, education around this topic, especially on the government side. Absolutely. I, I think you, we have got to have a, a step-by-step -step approach. As humanity, we haven't done this before, so we have to be smart. And for me, it's collective sense-making, understand different perspectives, cultures, opinions, philosophies. Um, I even, um, in my book, talk about um, the meaning of life in the 21st century as well. And, and it's important to understand that as well, that kind of perspective, bring that in. Um, so, uh, Francisco, how do you suggest we establish governance? To make sure that those standards and principles are being followed. I know you're going to provide us more from a Microsoft tech giant perspective, but that you're very there's a very important perspective on that as well. Well, I believe it's really about uh, everything that we have spoken uh, the last two and a half hours already. It's really something that cannot be done by one sole entity. It cannot be done by the government. It must be done in conclusion with all the companies involved producing such solutions. And for me, it really starts. Uh, in the in the beautiful mindset of the developer already you know that's developing the the code because it yeah. all starts here and um to guide it i even believe uh, if you would find a way how data is able to govern itself this would be a solution i mean it could be a solution um another way i mean could be even blockchain technology that can enable democratization uh, as a moral aspect of ai so if an algorithm does not holistically follow the ethical rules defined yeah so the asimov's laws for instance yeah. which are for robotics um the block to continue the calculations will not be valid and a chain reaction would be then to delete those blocks right yeah. and this could be one approach i mean and then if i don't know quantum is coming uh, things will change again so that's I think it's very hard to say that uh, we all need to do that together. And that's uh, the everything we have spoken today. Uh, Maria Ayarash spoke about it before um, in the first panel. Um, we need to find a way to bring all of us that produce solutions, that apply solutions, that regulate solutions um, to work together. That's, and, uh, and, and, and that and comes down to the global framework that Danilo was mentioning, right? I mean, that's yeah. not that easy. Yeah. And, and I think what makes it not, well, you're talking about not making it easy, but what complicates things further is that I think as humans, we categorize things. This is AI, not all the rules around that. But in fact, we're looking at a fusion of smart technologies and we've got AI and blockchain and, and IoT and quantum and all of these things interplay, this biotech, nanotech, all of it. And that complicates things because there's going to be very interesting applications and uh, we need to be very quick and agile in how we handle this. And it's like a runaway train. So. At least we could start with something. I mean, uh, Thomas, you wanted to go ahead. Yeah, just to maybe add on this. Yes, go for it, Thomas. 
And then only regulators are the one who drive kind of a trust building um, initiative. We, we all need our customers accept the technology. And so the yes. customers of our customers have to be able to explain what they, what they do with that. And this is a reputational risk already for everyone in this chain, starting from the vendor to the, uh, to the customer of us and to the, to the end users, the service provider. So we have a kind of natural ambition to, to stick with the, let's call it ethical or responsible AI rules we all have in our kind of culture. And if you see now all these regulations, uh, Francisca mentioned all these, or Danilo with, with all the private, privately built AI ethical guidelines, they come out of a certain culture. And this culture is, is more, more and more and a competitive advantage if you if you want to want a customer to buy from you you have to tell them why from you are you on my side are you do you belong to the good or the bad and you everyone wants to stay with the good and so there is a driving force behind which which um, even is is ahead of regulation absolutely i wanted to actually ask you about i assess think about certification regulation but you talked about financial services and you just reference that as well. I actually want to get into the last section here. The theme here is more practical things. So um, we talk about some examples of how AI vendors can contribute to responsible AI and some client examples uh, as well. But before we get into that, Ashley, if you can comment on what do organizations need to do to, to be prepared uh, for AI governance, but also just to implement uh, trustworthy, responsible AI. Thanks. Yeah, and I want to just go back to one of the uh, points that was made earlier and that there's going to be so much change that's required because we have blockchain and IoT and everything. And one of the things that um, was really quite interesting when we were doing the directive is that it the rules are the same independent of what the technology is um, if, for, for the most part. There's definitely a delta when it comes to uh, systems that are learning um, with the expansiveness of and connectedness of IoT, there's going to be implications there. Um, but I don't think that we should make it more complicated than it needs to be. It sounds like something that we really need to uh, be scared of. And uh, what does explainability mean? What does uh, robustness mean? And how do I add that to my practice? There's a lot of security measures and parameters that are already in place that have accounted for a lot of this. And so I would say um, where organizations are not already doing good technology governance, you should be doing that. Um, that's going to solve a lot of your problems. Um, but also because of the nature of AI systems are a more of a socio-technology, then also not just think about technology governance, but your entire uh, enterprise governance. And so how does uh, your communications planning fit in into it? How does your product management fit into it? All of these different types of pieces um, are already things that you should be doing. So to the question then of what, uh, what organizations should be doing and thinking about, those are already a big aspect of that. Um, as already mentioned, uh, robustness. So making sure that there's accuracy within the systems, that it's achieving what you want it to achieve. Um, I think one of the things, obviously, explainability comes up lots and, and it's been mentioned lots today, um, so I won't get into the obvious ones, um, but ongoing monitoring of the systems is something that's incredibly important, especially as there's these learning aspects to it. So um, those are the different types of things that I think uh, there's lots that's already been written on yeah. this. Just getting yeah. to figure out how this fits into your existing governance is what I would recommend. Danilo, thank you very much, Ashley.
comments? Yeah, I, I see actually a, a pretty big systematic tsunami wave coming. So <laughs> like if you, if you go to, if you go, if you go interview, you know, uh, all the ministers in each of the countries around the world and ask them, what is blockchain? What is quantum computing? What is AI? I'm pretty confident that most of them wouldn't have a clue. And so this is this is going to get driven by the private sector. You know, big companies, tech companies are going to teach governments what they should be doing. So, it, well, especially on the West and the in the East and China is not the case. Um, you know, th there needs to be a generational uh, shift. So all the people in government today, you know, the, the, the things have been taught at school, uh, the things that they've been learning in business school, the courses have been on. None of this stuff is covered in their education system. Um, they go and talk to consultants who explain to them all these things, but they have other things in their hands. You know, they're trying to feed starving countries and deal with COVID and all this other stuff. So either something really bad needs to happen so that governments really wake up. So either a disaster needs to happen or um, you know, mass unemployment needs to take place eventually. It won't happen overnight, but eventually it will be the case. A number of things need to come into play so the governments really step up and pay attention to this. Um, I mean, governments in general, some governments do better than others. Um, but it's just, there's a lot of wrong recipes in this book to, to make a pretty bad cake. So there needs to be a bit of a, a new order that comes in. To, to set things straight. It, a gradual change here and there won't make it. You're right. um, something systematic has to change in the system for it to get better and for these things that we're talking about to be achieved. I, and I, Danilo and I wish that we, we would be bold enough. That's when we need some good examples, some leadership, visionary leadership and execution from certain countries, from organizations to help because we don't want to be caught unaware or really sit with a massive problem and now suddenly we, we can do it better. We can. We thought we were talking about these kind of things. I, we've got only a few minutes left now. Uh, I just want to, Francisco, if everybody can just quickly talk about just concrete uh, ex uh, examples uh, and specifically, Francisco, most important client examples you would point out with regard to responsible AI. Sure. Also connecting quickly, sustainability. Quickly, I see we have also one and a half minutes only. So I would like to go, go. back to the point from Ashley. Um, which is a little bit more, yeah. yeah, don't be don't be afraid of uh, AI yes. because AI also is supposed to make fun, right? Sure. And um, what we are doing at Microsoft, especially also uh, focusing on uh, really tackling the UN sustainability and development goals. So, I mean, we have beautiful 17 goals, right? So it's all about reducing plastic, for instance. If you find a way to do that, you solve so big problems, yeah? And reduce CO2 footprint and so forth. Just one beautiful example um, in Norway, um, we build a solution which uh, is able to avoid overfishing of salmon. Just, you know, plugging in uh, cognitive services, um, plugged in AI and really monitoring the salmons, how big they are, what size they are, and then fish them when they are the right size. So avoid overfishing. Just one beautiful little example, how you can do that. And other ways um, we are basically focusing on is basically, for instance, making construction sites more safe. Um, predictive maintenance again with IoT, Ashley mentioned it before, yeah, and and making sure that people in 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 technology unfriendly environments are able to build, for instance, 
trains or, or buildings and those kind of things. And we could look into more in depth on those sustainability and development goals and start here applying responsible and ethical AI is for all of us training is for all of us in education and we will do good for the world. And each company has to tackle those goals by 2030. So that's my Absolutely. last point. Absolutely. Uh, Thomas, just last second. Do you want to comment on that? Because I know you've got some practical things as well, perspectives on this as well. Yeah, there could be a, a bunch of, of uh, examples, but uh, we are deeply in the medical area now, healthcare, public health, uh, COVID fighting, uh, drug development. This is already um, a kind of a heavy influential field and, and from an ethical perspective already kind of kind of a tricky one to, to, yes. be, uh, to, to make it right. So, but this we saw on a huge increase there and we saw that the acceptance from our customers is higher when we can explain what actually is combined and, and how it comes to these predictions and stuff like that. So it's it's crucial for us to stay on top of this discussion. Yeah, fantastic. It was fantastic talking to you all. Uh, I've got actually a bunch of other questions that I would love to offline talk to you guys about, each yeah, one of you. Um, thank you for your wonderful inputs. Really appreciate. Um, over to Dallas. <laughs> Thanks a lot. First of all, Jack, when you reach out to these guys discussing more questions, please include me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do. <laughs> Again, thanks a lot. I don't know. I'm just thrilled about listening to that. And I just thought before, you know, we're doing this cognitive virtual since March last year because of COVID. Obviously, we, like all the others, needed to change to virtual. And I'm still astonished about how many new things we can learn from so many different people coming from different cultures, different countries, different uh, corporate startups. I can't say I'm speechless because I'm speaking all the time, but I would say that I'm speechless about all the great insights we're getting from you guys. Thanks a lot. I do have actually a question. And as you, Jacques, are an AI thought leader by yourself, I would like actually to bring this to you. As most AI is international, do you think that there should be an international framework or a standard. Yeah, I, I, I think there should be, we, we, we're kind of part of one global society. We've, we've created a nervous system society with the internet, with blockchain, we, we've got abilities to create decentralized systems, but all connected um, and all of it. Um, I, I really think as a society of humanity, if we think about the problems that we need to address, climate change, and you think about all these big problems around technology as well, lethal autonomous weapons, all of these kind of things, you just can't do this within just countries and in an isolated way. So we have to work together as humanity, as a society, and I do comment a lot on that specifically. Um, and as Danilo also mentioned, um, I think there's there's some really wisdom and, and really good perspectives from different countries. We need to understand one another. We need to collaborate a lot more. So that's why I'm, I think European Union, uh, just the fact that there's you're involved with a lot of different countries, you can set an example of how to communicate and how to sort things out. But we need to have the West and the East, everybody getting together uh, on, on this. So, so I think we need to work towards that. Even in my book, I talk about a massive transformative purpose for humanity um, and, and specific goals that complement the United Nations goals. Um, so I'm, I'm a big believer on, in, in working together, collective sense making and, and, and so forth. And, and it sounded like the panel has got similar kind of perspectives uh, on that. <laughs> I would love to hear their, their perspectives as well. 
<laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, and I think one of the things that also has been mentioned, uh, I think it was uh, from you, Danilo, is about how important the education is on the different levels. And uh, this leads me to the next keynote. So thank you, Jacques, Ashley, Thomas, Francisca, and Danilo for this fruitful insight. Dear audience, feel free again to connect with them on social media and exchange. These are people who are able to support you wherever you are. Thanks again and see you hopefully very, very soon. Thanks. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Welcome. Yeah.